Welcome to Realcast, the weekly roundup of the real asset markets. I'm joined by Dan Innes and Paul Strome. Um, and we're obviously into the sixth week of the war in Ukraine and continuing to see the ramifications in terms of the real asset side. Um, and it's been noticeable that both in the UK and the Nordics, there's been a, a big focus on renewable energy infrastructure with the UK looking at easing planning for onshore wind and announcing a £28.5 billion investment from Australian investors, including Macquarie Group, Australian Super, Lend Lease, IFM Investors, Worley and Fortescue Future Investors, while Norway doubled its sovereign wealth fund scope. Um, for unlisted renewable infrastructure to 25 billion euros. It was interesting to be back on the road in both Madrid and Amsterdam for the Iberian REIT and Listed Conference, um, as well as the ULI Europe Leadership Retreat. Um, and ESG was a, was a really big topic for attendees at both events. Um, and we'll also focus heavily on ESG in our upcoming CE Summit in Warsaw, as well as that focus on unity, security and resilience. And it's been great to see the number of international and local industries leaders joining the event um, and showing solidarity for the sector and the region. And I look forward to seeing everyone in Warsaw on the uh, 28th of April. Um, Dan, what have you been watching? Well, we're into the last few uh, days before Easter, really. People are starting to plan some of their getaways. But um, as you said, Richard, you've been travelling. Uh, I've been spending a few days uh, this week in Estonia, where it was the Nordic Real Estate Forum in Tallinn, with a very professional and very informative programme there. ESG was a big factor. Andre Kuzvek, the president and CEO of Nordic Investment Bank, he spoke out on green real estate as an important contributor to achieving climate goals. Um, back to the office was still a big factor, um, although the head of research and strategic analysis at NUSEC, Adam Turcher, he reported that the Nordics were broadly back and that they weren't seeing the work from home factors seen elsewhere in some countries in Europe. But he also noted a comprehensive presentation that public service buildings were emerging as a real asset class uh, with strong demand from investors, but a bit of lack of supply so far. But, you know, as we know, strong demand, of course, you know, brings declining yields. And it's been a historically underinvested segment in the Nordics, but uh, interest is now catching up in that. So one to watch. There was a particularly comprehensive presentation from a core group, and that was Frank Royal, who's the Vice President of Development for Northern Europe, he was mentioning that in the Ukraine situation for Accor, they have seven hotels in Ukraine, four of which are still actually operating. But it was actually very heartwarming to hear about their All Heartist Fund, which has 70 million euros uh, to invest in good causes for team members and partners. And they've already allocated 27 million euros of that uh, to 87,000 funded applications. So a very active business at our core. Elsewhere, um, Property EU reported on their Savills research, the European life sciences market that's gathering pace, now accounting for 32% of total European venture capital volumes over the past five years. I know we've seen lots of uh, activity in the marketplace with other life science deals uh, coming forward. In the UK, Beyond the Ukraine uh, crisis and, and, and war, um, it's really been a knock-on effect. Uh, it's the knock-on effects that are hitting the headlines, mainly around the cost of living, hardly uplifting, but the Telegraph uh, reports that UK residents are seeing their council tax bills rise this week. A typical family is going to be £1,000 a year worse off from Friday. So that's going to have a big knock-on effect in business and for, for consumer sentiment. Sky reports, though, that uh, you know as the fuel 
uh, price cap rises uh, in the UK, that some two and a half million families in the UK might move into fuel stress, um, a situation where families are spending 10% of their income on energy. This may you know, put downward pressure on non-essential spending, something for the retail sector to monitor quite closely. But that said, it's worth remembering that the, that the rental debt moratorium ended last week on the 25th of March. And um, that's the traditional day in which you know, the Q2 rents uh, you know, are paid. So it'd be interesting to see how landlords have been collecting rents over that period. Um, and lastly, really, um, you know, as you've been reporting, Richard, you know, these real life uh, events are gathering pace. And this week in Rome sees the start of the World Retail Congress. We've got a completely retail marketplace just at the end of the month on the 26th of April in London. And of course, ICSE Vegas is on the 22nd to the 24th of May, along with the now traditional uh, online events that we're seeing, including Urban Ovation. There's a fireside chat with Scott Malkin on Tuesday this week discussing the transformation of retail. So a very active time as we run into Easter, Richard. It's definitely been interesting to track the changing views on the retail sector, particularly over the last six months as investors begin to look more closely again at the retail side. Um, Paul, what have you been watching? Well, one of the most interesting and significant stories, I think, over the last few days is that Canary Wharf is to host Europe's largest commercial life science laboratory. It looks like a huge departure for this ultra-corporate London office district. Canary Wharf Group and Cadence Science Partner, which is owned by AXA, IM Alts, are to develop a 70,000 square metre wet lab-enabled building designed by architect KPF and located on Canary Wharf's North Quay site. The partners say it'll be the first phase of a health and life sciences cluster there. The 22-storey building will be completed in 2026 and can have lab space on all floors and create what they're calling a campus under one roof. It'll attract SMEs and academics as well as global healthcare and pharmaceutical companies and will be a, an international hub for life science companies, they're saying. It's an interesting diversification for Canary Wharf and the timing is interesting. Obviously, post-COVID, life science has come into its own and there's the ongoing debate about the future of conventional offices. Um, so the, the, there's diversification there. Canary Wharf Group CEO Shobi Khan said that the group has been developing a vision for health and life sciences since 2019. Though. He's emphasising the areas live, work and play label with green space, shops, restaurants and leisure and residential and says there's this homes there for every income level, which will enable uh, researchers and their colleagues to live close to, to the lab building. Um, it'll be interesting to discover more about AXA's role and in financial input too. Cadence was acquired by AXA Iron Alts in um, late 2020, and in July 2021, uh, AXA announced that it had raised 1.9 billion for investment in European life science projects, most of which would be invested via Cadence. So presumably this is one of the manifestations of that plan. Uh, this is not the only occasion on which AXA has featured in the alternative real assets space in the last week. AXA and Credit Agricole Assurance are each contributing 1.5 billion sterling to buy quarter shares in the world's largest offshore wind farm. That's the 1.3 gigawatt Hornsey 2 off the Yorkshire coast in the UK. Their stakes are being acquired from Copenhagen headquartered energy infrastructure provider Orsted. The wind farm is currently under construction and will be commissioned later this year. It'll provide enough green electricity to power the equivalent of more than 1.3 million homes annually. And on the subject of renewal, renewables, some interesting figures emerged from Comets Real uh, recently. 
the company's investments in renewable energy saved 1.2 million tonnes of greenhouse gas emissions in 2021. They generated around 2,700 gigawatt hours, equating to the average annual consumption of approximately 850,000 private households in Germany. The company pointed out that to offset the equivalent amount of carbon dioxide, 110 million 23-metre-high beech trees would be needed, which would occupy an area three times the size of the city-state of Hamburg. And then uh, from renewables to repurposing, uh, close to the centre of Paris and virtually next to La Défense, Anacap Financial Partners and Frio Group are to convert a vacant office building into a 645-bed student accommodation and co-living development. The building's located in Puto and was bought from the French Pension Fund for Aircrew in 2021. There's academic institutions in La Défense and it's expected to serve uh, students attending these. Uh, delivery is expected in 2024 and the partnership will operate the, the, the residence directly under its Hakassi brand. And it sounds as if this won't be the last project of this type. And Frio France Managing Director Romain Fremont said that the company will continue to search for similar residential opportunities. But it's interesting that that's uh, occurring so centrally in Paris. Yeah, the move from the life science sector, as well as areas like advanced manufacturing, innovation and technology, um, that move towards areas much closer to city centres is something we covered in the past few months, particularly in terms of Glasgow. And so it's interesting to see this coming through now much more clearly in the market. Thanks, Paul and Dan. Um, Thank you for watching us and look forward to seeing you next week for our regular roundup of the real asset markets.